Hello and welcome. I'm Jillian Raymond, the co-creator of Juicy Bits and a Coalition Snow ambassador. And I'm Jen Gorecki, your co-host and the CEO of Coalition Snow. For those of you who are with us in season two, we are glad you're back. For those of you who are new, get ready to laugh, cry, and maybe pee your pants a little. Juicy Bits is about taking the conversations that we start on the chairlift and at the trailhead and bringing them to you to explore alternative narratives that challenge the status quo about what it means to be a modern woman in the outdoors. Grab your helmet because sometimes it's a bumpy ride. FYI, friends, this podcast is for mature audiences, so you've been warned. Let's get to work and juice the patriarchy. Hey, everyone. This is Jen Gorecki, and I am thrilled to be able to introduce you to Sarah Shumazaki, who just started her own podcast, Outside Voices, and she's here today to talk about that. Welcome to Juicy Bits. Thank you. Yeah, happy to be here. Awesome. So let's just jump right in, Sarah. What is your podcast all about? Yeah, so basically, the podcast is really about our relationships to the outdoors, to nature, but really, I wanted to have a space, a platform where we could amplify stories that have been traditionally excluded or left out of the conversation and left out of what a typical outdoorsy person looks like, so Um, From my definition, that includes Black, Indigenous, and people of color, people with disabilities, LGBTQIA plus folk, and really others who kind of self-identify as underrepresented in the outdoor community. And so our podcast is really just about these um, untold, undertold stories that they have about their relationships to nature, how they connect to the outdoors, and kind of just reinforcing this idea that the outdoors is for all of us. Nice. Um, And there's definitely, there's been sort of a bigger movement, particularly in the outdoor industry. And I think we see it a lot in society in in general. Like I look at the outdoor industry as sort of like a a microcosm of what's happening in the Mm -hmm. world. And, and so I'm sure many people are aware of, of many of the, these seismic shifts that we're seeing in terms of inclusivity and diversity Um, But I was hoping you'd be able to share with us, you know, what specifically is going on in the world or in your world that Mm. made you want to start this podcast? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely exactly it, what you're saying about um, just these conversations happening right in Hollywood, in the workplace. Um, as well as at the nonprofit that I work at, where traditionally we've been kind of led by, we've had white leadership for many, many years, and we've gone our, on our own diversity, equity, inclusion journey. So yeah, that's pretty much right on. It's a conversation that has been happening, um, especially in the last maybe five, 10 years. And I think also simultaneously, it's definitely really been happening, as you probably know, um, in the context of the outdoors world on 
Instagram and other platforms with Unlikely Hikers by Jenny Brusso and Melanin Face Camp by Danielle and other platforms, accounts, individuals who are starting to share their stories, starting to demand more from the outdoor industry, demand that, you know, representation representation matters, demand that they're represented um, in the outdoor community. And so I think that really um, I saw I saw all of that happening. And at the same time, I also noticed that even though there was a demand for these stories to be heard and told, I was noticing that uh, I was kind of thinking about, well, who's telling these stories, right? Because I think mm-hmm. that there's definitely a lot of people starting to crop up in films made by different outdoor brands. In mm-hmm. um, They're getting interviewed on podcasts and interviewed on articles. And I just kept thinking, you know, every time I saw there was a woman of color or something being featured on a podcast that otherwise maybe only had white guests on their mm-hmm. on their list. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden they would be asking, you know, this woman of color, tell me about diversity in the outdoors. And it's like they suddenly had to be the the expert on diversity. And that's sort of like what they're reduced to talking to, talking about. And so I really wanted a platform where we could just share our stories simply because they deserve to be told. Um, it wasn't necessarily about um, talking about what white folks wanted to talk about and their perspectives on diversity. It wasn't about being the voice for diversity, equity, inclusion. It was really just about sharing our relationships to nature. Um, and so I think that that I was excited to have a platform really you know, for us, by us, and really just making sure that it was about amplifying what's already there as opposed to um, as opposed to having to cater to other folks idea of how we show up in the outdoors if that makes sense oh it makes yeah it makes total sense (laughs) it's um I mean it's it's really valuable what you're doing with this podcast because there's, um, you know, there's definitely this notion that there's a certain type of person who recreates in the outdoors, but mm-hmm. we forget that that's what the media has chosen to focus on. And that totally. there's actually all types of, of people of, of human beings who love the outdoors and love rec- recreation just as, as much as passionately as, as the next person. But there's been, you know, there, there's been these, the, the media houses and the, the people in power who have chosen to showcase a, a certain type of person and and show a certain and tell a certain type of narrative and and what for me what I think is really cool about what I'm what I'm seeing is that because podcasting is so democratic and because Instagram um, also is is this platform that anybody can can use you no longer have to go through these gatekeepers mm-hmm. and it, it's the gatekeepers who have been really restrictive and, and really controlling of, of, of creating this, this message. Um, now you and I both know <laughs> that when you <laughs> choose to do things like this, it can get a little bit hectic. So I'm, I'm yeah. curious, like knowing that you are definitely challenging the status quo and this dominant narrative, have, have you had any pushback yet or has the response been overwhelmingly positive? I'm just kind of curious on like, 
what that's been like um, to, to get your podcast up and going. No, and I, I know that and, and some of our, our listeners are probably very aware of some of the other work that you do. So it's not like outside voices is, is your the very first um, project that you've been working on. But I'm just curious what what the reception has been like. Yeah, definitely. I think it's actually been a lot more positive than I anticipated. Oh, <laughs> because, awesome. yeah, um, because exactly what you're saying, I'm, I've sort of been bracing myself and continue to brace myself for, you know, like those comments or people saying kind of, um, you know, typical, I would call it a typical response to this kind of rhetoric about, oh, we want to, you know, we want to diversify the stories we tell about the outdoors and people saying, you know, like nature's for all of us, like nature doesn't judge you by your race and whatnot. Like I've definitely seen all of that. I've engaged in conversations like that and I haven't so far gotten that kind of response yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I anticipate that as we can continue to grow though, that it will, it will happen because I think what's happening right now is it's still um, just in terms of like the, our target audience and folks that I have relationships with in the outdoor community. Um, it's, we're still pretty small and it's still like centered in the communities that I would say are already talking about this, um, mm-hmm. are saying that this is really needed and they're excited about it. So kind of like preaching to the choir a little bit right now um, in a good way, because I think they're saying, you know, I really resonate with this. I'm really excited to hear a story that sounds just like mine. Um, that's a lot of the reception that we're getting. But I anticipate that um, as we grow and kind of grow outside of that target audience, it's We'll, we'll get we'll get that from people who haven't really been exposed to this kind of conversation. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's definitely something that it's it's good to know that you're going to face it because it's it's helpful to come up with like your one liners mm-hmm. you're going to say, because there's For a sure. lot. I mean, there's there's a lot of um, what, what I find is there's a lot of people who are open to these conversations as long as you say it in a certain way. So there's the tone policing, which can be, um, that's really challenging because it's like, oh, well, you're, you know, you don't have a problem with this conversation as long as it doesn't make you uncomfortable, which is Mm -hmm. actually not what the point is. And then the the other thing that I see a lot of too is, um, you know, really the fragility around like, well, what about us? And Mm -hmm. like, you know, without being able to look around and be like, well, all this stuff's about you already. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's that quote, right. That when you're accustomed to privilege, then equality feels like oppression. Right. right? I think about that a lot. And, um, you know, at the same time, something that I've been juggling with too, is like, how, how much do I want to cater to those audiences as well? And, how like I don't know if I necessarily see my role as educating folks who aren't already a part of this conversation, um, but at the same time I do want to bring people who are willing to listen and learn, and I want to bring them into this space. Um, but I just juggle with how much of that I want to do and how much you know education, how much like do I want to cater my language to folks as you know white folks, especially their fragility. I don't know how willing I'm, I am to do that, to be completely honest. Um, so it, I juggle back and forth. I, I mean, even in the we've now launched four episodes, and even in the in the making of each one, I wonder like, oh, you know, for example, one episode I brought up 
Um, I think I said something like, oh, people of color are on the front lines of climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of folks that I work with, that I talk to right away, they understand what I mean by that. Um, mm-hmm. But there are people who don't. And that's not just white folks. Also, like my mom, who who doesn't really engage in conversations like this. She's like, what, is he, what do you mean by that, Sarah? You know? And mm-hmm. um, so I, I struggled with when I was writing the script, like, do I want to get into it? Do I want to just say it so I can say the next thing that I wanted to say? So it's an ongoing question that I have um, for sure. So, And I, I know it'll continue to evolve. Yeah. Well, and the, the educating people, that... What's tricky about that is that you can make the decision that maybe that's not what you want to do because you're really clear about who you're making this podcast for and, mm-hmm. and the language that, that you're using. And, and obviously, I'm, I'm sure you're open to anyone listening to it. Mm-hmm. They just need to be like on the same vibe, right? But what, <laughs> what, um, what I find to be challenging is when you never really sign up for the role as educator, but people expect mm. that from you. Mm-hmm. And and what happens, you know, when that plays out, um, you know, in turn, like when you create knowledge, because that's essentially what you're doing. You're mm-hmm. creating knowledge that, um, you know, that exists outside of the walls of traditional academia um, mm-hmm. or, or the way that people normally think that knowledge is constructed. And so you are perceived to be a leader and an educator um, and then without even knowing it, you might be, you know, you might be educating people without even thinking that that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I did run into an instance just recently um, where I kind of made that decision to to sort of just like include some educational tidbits to back up something that I was saying. And for me in that instance, like the reason why I felt I wanted to say something is also because I think that there's a responsibility that I hold when I am sharing these stories on the platform. And so if someone is going to say something that contradicts or challenges something that one of my interviewees said in their story, um, I kind of feel like rather than having that, the interviewee have to deal with this person, like I kind of feel a responsibility to step in um, because it's, you know, it's like, this is, I chose to host this person and to help share their story on my platform that I've been creating. And so if someone, you know, it's sort of like someone steps in and challenges it. I'm, I want to make sure that it, the burden is not just on the person who's being challenged to have to say something. Um, that, that happened just recently. And um, yeah, that was a choice. It was like a little bit exhausting. I think it went well, the conversation, but um, yeah, I think exactly what you're saying. It's like, I, I didn't like willingly just post a Instagram post or put out a podcast episode with these with this knowledge and this education. It was like kind of being demanded of me or just mm-hmm. I felt like I had to say it in order to justify something. So, yeah, I expect that'll happen more often. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've been I mean, you have been incredibly thoughtful with what you've put together. And, and what I noticed when I visited the Outside Voices website is that you describe your core values, which is something really unique to the podcast. Like we, we've never done that on Juicy Bits and I haven't necessarily seen that on other podcasts. And so I was really curious if, you know, you would be able to share with us, you know, what are some of those values, but then really what was that process of, of defining them and mm. why did you choose to create them? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so 
I think really to talk about what those values are, um, it would be useful for me to bring up that something I've been trying to practice with the podcast is something I call, I've been calling ethical storytelling. Um, so really it's about making sure that the, when we interview folks for the podcast and help share their stories, that they ultimately are happy and comfortable with the way that they're being represented. And that means that, um, you know, I'm being really intentional and thoughtful about collaborating with everyone that I work with, um, honoring their wishes, making sure that, um, it, I mean, it's actually a, a long, long process or longer than um, maybe traditional journalism would, uh, that process would take, but it's really about um giving them a chance to look over a draft script. And um, similarly, I mean, when you worked with me, you asked, is there anything you don't want to talk about? Um, and I think that is really, that's kind of what, um, where our values, our values come out of that because it's really about like collaborating with people, going back to this idea that the podcast is for us and by us. Because when you talked about, actually earlier, you mentioned the whole gatekeeping that can happen and how Instagram and podcasting is, um, a way to combat the gatekeeping. I also, um, there's a degree to which I'm aware that editing, like me as an right. editor and me as a um, person who is creating or um, uh, putting together these stories, like that has so much power. And there's a degree of gatekeeping that goes into that too. Sure. Um, and so I want to be like really cognizant about the role that that plays and the power that I have in um, in pulling these stories together. And so really those values are, um, yeah, kind of back to like the democratization of sharing our stories. And um, also that we um, share, I think really just like honoring um, our truths and honoring the stories the way that, yeah, how the interviewee wants them to be told. Because I think what often happens is, especially when, um, when the media maker, the person sharing the story is someone who identifies as white, they might kind of impose like a different narrative onto the story. Um, like I've seen, you know, in the past, um, and I've heard stories too of where it seems like the person interviewing someone is demanding like, you know, a trauma story or is demanding to hear more about, you know, oh, you grew up in poverty. Oh, you grew up, you know, in a neighborhood that had was dealing with drugs and like just these kind of like perpetuation of stereotypes about communities of people. Mm -hmm. um, I see it like that happen a lot with storytelling. Um, and so so really like grounding myself in my values of um, being like, okay, this is not this podcast is not just about me and like my perception of whose voices are unheard in the outdoors, but really like intentionally working with the people who's who's sharing their stories to to get to the root of like what they want to share um and so that that process is ongoing of course um but it really yeah it informs also like to get to your question of why did you choose to create them um really in thinking about you know, we have this podcast and in order to monetize it, you know, we've been talking to brands and 
wanting to partner with brands and talking to funders and um, even nonprofits about partnerships. And um, I think that there's this position that we often get put in as creators where we feel like we're creating something really great, but perhaps in order to make it profitable, we have to like water down our content or um, we have to like cater to what the person with money wants. And, um, and I think that we had to step back from this process and be like, okay, there's so much value, like reminding ourselves of the value that we give if we partner with a brand, if we partner with someone um, and sort of just like standing our ground and saying, actually, like, we are going to say, you know, we are going to call out maybe white fragility or we are going to say this on the podcast. And, mm-hmm. um, and if, if a brand is not okay with that, then, you know, then we'll find someone hopefully who is. And so just like rooting ourselves, I think the value there is abundance. So um, reminding ourselves that there's an, if we create like abundance in this world, like we're going to, we'll find it and we'll find people who believes in the abundance that we can give to the world and partner with us to achieve it. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it was really about like just thinking about who, who we partner with, how we bring this to life and making sure that we don't compromise on our, those values. No, that, that's really smart. Cause there is, I mean, I, I know that I feel it as well. You get, um, it can be really stressful to create things and, and you definitely get into this sort of scarcity mindset of, you know, well, we, we need to fund this or we need to keep the door open here and, and where does the money come from? And, and, um, there are a lot of sacrifices that you can make if you take a check from the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, you know, for us with Sisu magazine in particular, like when we work with brands, we're really upfront and tell them like, they don't get to write the content, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, just being like, and, and being, you know, very upfront at the, you know, first conversation about like, what, like, what will this partnership look like? Um, Because otherwise, you just end up being a mouthpiece for brands who want to sell more shit. And you just wonder where you're left. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That was really, that was a huge thing for us is like, even though we're small, right, because we've already started having these conversations. And we don't have quite like a, a, you know, a huge followership, listenership just yet. Um, but the last thing I would want is for a brand who um, really otherwise from what from our conversations that I have with them or from what I could tell online or whatnot, isn't really doing a whole lot in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion, or isn't even really talking about it. Um, I, the last thing I want is for them to then sponsor our podcast and think that that's enough. Um, And that they're doing enough in this space, because, um, like I said, you know, this this podcast came really came out of the conversations people are having where they're demanding more from from brands like that. And so um, I don't. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. I don't want it to just be like a badge or a mouthpiece. Exactly, exactly. Cool. Well, what are I mean, you you mentioned that you've um, left the time of this recording. You've had four episodes come out um, on the podcast Outside Voices and Mm -hmm. can you share some of your favorite stories from those first few episodes? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So 
Oh gosh, so much. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of goodness in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I was just thinking about um, just going back to like what this podcast is about. And one thing, um, I mean, just a hashtag that we created around the podcast is hashtag redefine outdoorsy. And so I was just thinking about that of like, okay, you know, what was my definition of outdoorsy a year ago? And it's really similar to what you said, where it's like, you know, you, you feel like you have to scale a mountain or buy expensive gear or, you know, even wear flannels or something like that. There's like a certain way that an outdoorsy person, outdoorsy person, (laughs) person should look like. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was thinking about our episodes thus far, I was like, was able to come up with other definitions of that term. So for example, um, in episode three, we go into Japanese incarceration during World War II. And um, we take the episode takes us to Manzanar, which is one of the, um, which is one of the concentration camps that was built during World War II to incarcerate Japanese. And it's located like just outside of Los Angeles. And um, in that episode, the Japanese are considered outdoorsy, or in my eyes, I call them outdoorsy because they built these intricate, beautiful gardens that they tended to while they were incarcerated. Um, so that's outdoorsy. In the first episode, um, Olivia, who is Latina, she's a surfer. She actually talks a good bit about um, the indigenous origins of surfing as a sport, and she talks about how it comes from Hawaii, but also there's um, evidence and archaeological history of um, indigenous folks in modern day Peru and also in um, West Africa surfing. And so to me, like that's outdoorsy as well. Um, and then in our latest episode, um, Brittany Levitt shares how she as a black woman finds her own personal black joy in nature. And she kind of brings it back to um, honoring her history as a black woman in the United States and thinking about someone like Harriet Tubman, right? Who, mm-hmm. um, who really hiked um, lots, hundreds of miles um, the Underground Railroad to, um, to bring slaves to freedom. And um, that's outdoorsy, right? Um, so really the podcast, what I love about it is it's just about rather than telling like, this isn't, these are not new stories, right? It's just the, they're ancient ones that have gone unheard for too long. And just making sure that when we're talking about outdoorsy, we're redefining it so that the definition like broadens to um, these stories that, you know, we have heard, like we have heard about Harriet Tubman, but do we necessarily think about her when we think about an outdoorsy person? Right. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the running theme. And those are some stories that I've loved to hear coming coming out of these first four. But it's all, yeah, centered around like that. That's kind of our, our thesis, if you want to talk, um, <laughs> if, it, if it was like a academic setting, that's our thesis. Yeah, I really... I like that. I'm excited to hear um, hear some of the future episodes. And I mean, you could. There's so many ways to redefine outdoorsy from the um, from the way people dress to the particular activities to the language that they use. Um, there's a lot there. You're, you mm-hmm. you might be doing this podcast for a very long time. <laughs> Are you prepared for that? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really been the biggest thing is like, there's just a well, yeah, there's so much content, there's so yeah. many people and stories to to be told. Um, one of my favorites, uh, when you're just asking about stories that I've heard thus far is something I bring up all the time and other people bring up as well is actually from our first episode. So featuring um, a dear friend of mine, Olivia, she talks about how um, really, you know, her, her dad showed her kind of what we would consider the traditional um, way of experiencing the outdoors, I guess, um, according to the media. So, you know, he took her rock climbing and out hiking and camping and whatnot. But then she also gives just as much equal um, credit to her mom when she talks about who made her, you know, who had an influence on her relationship to the outdoors. She talks about, you know, my mom um, really brought the outdoors inside through the kitchen and mm. making mole and tamales and, you know, just this these traditional ecological ways of knowing um, the plants and the animals and uh, making meals together as a family. And she talks about how then that also was learned from her gram- her grandma, so her mom's mom. And she tells this really great story about how there was one day where her grandma was listening to the news and they're talking about, you know, there's a drought in California and everyone needs to conserve water. We need to do better. Here are some ways that you can, um, in, in your own home, help to conserve water. And Olivia says that her grandma just starts laughing and um, and Olivia is like, why are you laughing? And the grandma says, you know, I've been doing this for years. Like she makes her own soap and she's a long, long time ago before people perhaps started blogging about gray water. Maybe um, she took the hose from her um, her laundry machine and basically made her own biodegradable biodegradable soap and um, made it so that after she washes her clothes with that water, she takes that same water to then water her plants. And that she's been doing things like that just around the house really as a way of um, just for economic reasons, to be really resourceful. Um, And she laughs that she's been doing that since she moved to California and that people in California should learn from her and they should catch up, right? So I think- 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think that, you know, so many people hear that and they're like, yes, this, you know, my my mom like saves all the butter containers and puts, you know, you open a a container that says it's country butter in the fridge and you open it and it's like leftover soup, right? And like just sharing all these stories of the ways that their parents were resourceful and really sustainable. Um, And that then you hear a lot of the times in the news, people saying like, oh, you know, people of color, they don't care about the environment and Mm -hmm. they're too poor to care and all this, all these things that just couldn't be further from the truth. Right. Well, it's, 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 it comes down to like, how do we know the things that we know? So you, you just talked about uh, traditional ecological knowledge, which is this body of knowledge, this body of, of work that was created by indigenous populations that mm-hmm. so much of modern medicine has been based on, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you even look at a lot of the health and wellness practices that are becoming so popular hashtag self-care like that's that's not new right like (laughs) this isn't new it's been around for a really long time um and 
what we what we've been missing is how to give credit um, and acknowledge and, and pay the people who um, essentially created all of this that we get to consume now in our leisure time, forgetting that it was a way of life, or mm-hmm. and that it continues to be a way of life for mm-hmm. for people. Um, yeah, yeah, one of my one of my favorite things, you know, with all the work that I do in East Africa. I love it when people visit Africa and complain complain about how much trash there is. Like mm. that, like um, African, which I mean, it's a huge fucking continent with fifty three countries, and you know, so you know, there's a lot of people. But um, to talk about how Africans are like they don't know how to pick up after themselves, or they don't care about trash, and I'm like, really, what the fuck would you do if the trash man didn't come to your house every week? What would you do? <laughs> you tell me. You tell me what you would do if there is no trash man, because that like mm-hmm. you forget about that. There's this infrastructure in place that allows you to have a certain type of lifestyle and it mm-hmm. has nothing to do with um, morals or your integrity or your values. It has to do like, is another person coming to do this shit for you? Right. Um, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think it kind of goes back to, um, you know, because I think things like sustainability and diversity, equity, inclusion and self-care, like they are seen as very trendy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it goes back to when you asked me, like, what's going on in the world that made me want to start this podcast? It was sort of in response to people jumping on like the diversity, equity, inclusion bandwagon and saying, mm-hmm. um, you know, and saying like, oh, yeah, like this is trendy. We want to this is you're all new people in this space, new voices, new stories. And it's kind of a response to say, actually, this is nothing new. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, let let us show you how these stories have existed for centuries, like since the since the dawn of time of the ways that we connect to nature right like mm-hmm. all of us have connections to nature that extend to our earliest ancestors and so really just like going back to that idea of yeah this is nothing new yeah not at all um so if we think about like think about maybe five years from now um i'm not no pressure that you have to keep the podcast <laughs> for five years um mm-hmm. but um what like what change do you wish to see? Because obviously one of the reasons for you to have this podcast is to um, do more than do more than just talk about it, right? Like you're actually cre- like, once again, creating this knowledge and creating this plat- platform um, and talking about these undertold story, these undertold stories and talking about how the outdoors are for everyone. So if, if we were to look maybe, you know, five years, 10 years, ahead of us, what would you like to see, you know, our outdoor space, our outdoor world? Like what, what would that look like for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would love to um, see that rather than seeing at a conference, a panel for diversity in the outdoors or, you know, referring to someone as the first black woman to blah, 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 that they just are, (laughs) Um, that it just is, right? Like that the panel, you don't even have to talk about diversity because it already is a diverse panel. Um, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, we have to talk about it now because it's just not happening. Mm -hmm. But really like the idea with the podcast was that, um, again, like we just wanted to tell these stories simply because they deserve to be told, right? It wasn't, 
it wasn't like to check some box to make sure we're achieving like diversity, equity, inclusion is like, no, like these stories need to be heard and we have to amplify them. And so I really would love to see, um, I mean, in the outdoor community, but really just in, in the world, yeah, that we don't have to name those things anymore because they're just happening. So um, that's a pretty big lofty <laughs> goal. That's, that's what I envision um, in the future. And I think that with a podcast, you know, I think on an obvious level, um, I, I really want to keep seeing the podcast amplify these stories. Um, really, it came about because when I was talking to people in this space who are, you know, bringing youth outside or um, maybe they are running an Instagram platform about underrepresented folks in the outdoors, or perhaps they're um, creating trails right out in the wilderness. And um, a lot of the times when I talked to them, they were saying like, yeah, we're doing, we're doing really good work and we're connecting with people and we're getting youth of color outside or whatever it is that is their mission. But they just don't feel like in mainstream depictions of um, the outdoors, of environmentalism, that their stories are being told, mm-hmm. um, that like people just don't know who they are and what they're doing. And so, yeah, on kind of like an obvious tangible level, um, I really want this podcast to help amplify what they're already doing, um, to partner with orgs, brands, and individuals to really bring those stories to life so other people can hear them. Um, And then, yeah, I guess like sort of a broader, perhaps intangible goal is just kind of going back to this idea of redefining outdoorsy. So like, what does it look like if as we continue to share these stories, um, the narrative and our perception begins, begins to change of what we think of when we say outdoorsy or what we think of when we talk about outdoor, even outdoor activities, mm-hmm. um, right? Because included in outdoor activities and like that could be picnicking at the park, like that could be gardening, right? Um, so just just changing the, the stories that we, we tell about the outdoors and our connection to nature. Yeah. So many stories, so many stories. <laughs> so many um, stories. <laughs> so I would... Um, I would love to leave our listeners with some really tangible information on how to find you and your podcast. So how often do you publish? Where can they listen to you? Can they follow you on Instagram? Give us the rundown of that. Yeah, for sure. So we do have a website, www.outsidevoicespodcast.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, really anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Although if you don't find it on your favorite podcasting platform, then reach out to me and I'll make it happen. Um, also, we publish right now, we're publishing every month, um, just as we've sort of like built up. I like to say we're, you know, building the plane while we're flying it and all of that. But <laughs> I know all about that. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure you're very familiar with it. <laughs> um, and so I'm really hoping that soon we can, um, we can have a more regular podcast. So, you know, biweekly is the goal in the next few months. So, um, but right now it's just monthly and also we're pretty active on Instagram too. So that's at outside voices podcast. And, um, yeah, you can follow there for, we like to share, um, when an 
upcoming episode is launching and there's kind of like little behind the scenes sometimes into like my thoughts about the process of making that episode um, and also working with the people that I work with. So yeah, a lot of the conversation is happening on Instagram too. Awesome. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope that every person listening to this podcast right now, you immediately go and subscribe to Outside Voices and go to Instagram and follow Outside Voices podcast. Um, and let's continue to amplify, amplify all of these undertold stories and do our part to redefine outdoorsy. So thank you, Sarah, for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Everybody wants to know what you're going to do, where you're going to, because they want to come where I'm showing you. Yes, they want to come where I'm showing you. All that you can be is a spectacle, following after every single miracle. Watch them marvel at all the joy you have, but they're so important to have all tragedy you can laugh at me you can laugh at me but i'm in love yes i'm in love